Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. Golf tournament silence. Anticipation to see what... Oh, goodness! Let's go, Ellie Dela Cruz. Let's start the hype. John Sadak, Barry Larkin on the call of the day, home run call of the day. Excellent job. And of course, that game, that Reds game, finished with another huge, huge home run. Will Benson with a walk off. So the Reds, the talk of the town. But Ellie Dela Cruz, we you heard it with Sam Dykstra on this podcast. Him breaking it down about why this guy was going to be so exciting when he got called up. Well, sure enough, he gets called up, and sure enough, he's exciting. So this is going to be a electric factory of fun when it comes to Ellie Dela Cruz. Everybody knows that. And by the way, an electric factory of fun is what everybody perceived the Reds the last couple days. MLB.com called them the buzz of baseball, which is awesome, right? You see the images. You see the Benson celebration after after he has his walk-off. You see the, all the hype surrounding De La Cruz. And that shows you the power of of young players, of what might be, of the excitement of prospects, of the excitement of, of, okay, you know, this actually is the future of baseball because 
the buzz of baseball sitting at 29 and 33, and there's still five games back. But you have Dela Cruz, you have friend of the program, baseball isn't boring, advocate Matt McClain. You have a lot of young players, and you have the promise of what might be. Also, don't discount that it came against the Dodgers. Second straight win over the Dodgers for the Reds. 19,000 people there to watch the Reds. Now, we will track that to see if that number goes up. We'll see, because that's what the whole purpose is, to get people, fannies in the seat, people in the stands, get people excited. Also, by the way, the Dodgers losing again. Well, Dodger, Diamondbacks... Diamondbacks are one of our picks to click. One of the teams where we've had multiple people on the podcast, GMs, managers, stars. They're only they're two games up on the Dodgers right now. Two games up. And since we've dropped the pair of podcasts with Tori Lovello and Zach Gallen, seven and two. Coincidence? I don't think so. Well, speaking of good teams. Heading into the weekend, the big showdown in baseball. There's nothing like a good June showdown. The only teams with 40 or more wins, yes, the Rays and the Rangers, they are playing each other in St. Petersburg at Tropicana Field. Also, by the way, the only two teams with collective OPSs of over 800, so they can both hit. So what do we do for you? On tomorrow's podcast, Baseball is a Boring Podcast, we will have Texas Rangers hitting coach Tim Hires. So if you want to get ready for this series, the biggest series of the year, the biggest showdown of the year, this is a podcast you're going to want to listen to. But that's tomorrow. Today, we got a really good one. We do. This is a good interview. We wanted to get the perspective of an umpire of going through all the ebbs and flows, and the differences they have come with this season, with all the rules changes, and and the, really the dramatic about face when it comes to the way things are done, not only for baseball, but for umpires. So we turn to one of the best umpires that ever did it. Ever. That's Jim Joyce. Retired since 2016, but he's been in the loop. Stays in the loop with umpires, talks to umpires. Uh, helps with MLB, so forth and so on. But Jim Joyce is a great guy to talk to. Yeah, you know, we get it. When Usually when people interview Jim Joyce, it's a lot about the Armando Galarrago situation back in 2010 where he made the wrong call and took away the perfect game from Galarrago. But we can talk about that another time, as we said at the end of the podcast. That's fine. Jim will talk about it. Jim will talk about anything. Talk about 2013 World Series. Anything you want. But what I wanted to talk to about with Jim was exactly how the umpires feel when it comes to what baseball looks like right now. Because we haven't heard a whole bunch from umpires directly saying, hey, you know, this is good, this is bad, this is a perception. And now while Jim isn't currently an active ump, he talks to umps. He certainly has a perspective that I, we almost none of us have when it comes to how this actually would manifest itself as an ump and things that he went through when he was umping that might line up with what's going on now. It's just a really, really good interview. Subscribe, rate, review, listen. Also, at BB isn't boring. Uh, also, the book, A Damn Near Perfect Game. 
the best Father's Day gift you can buy anyone. And went out in Times Square with Godfather Joe Kelly just the other day to uh, to talk to some some folks in Times Square about a damn near perfect game. That'll be out soon, that video, those interviews. It was a predictably a good time. But speaking of a good time, here's a great interview. Jim Joyce. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on today than one of the best umpires who ever did it, Jim Joyce. Jim, how are you? Very well, Rob. How are you guys doing out there in beautiful Massachusetts? Oh, well, it's it's good. It's good. You know, it's I don't know if it's as good as the West Coast, but still, it's good. And the great game of baseball. I, I'll, let's start here, Jim, because I ask this of everybody. And it, the great thing is, is that there's no wrong answer, and everybody has a, has a, a unique answer, pretty much. The commissioner, general managers, managers, everybody. I think you're the first umpire that I've asked. And the simple question is, why isn't baseball boring? Why isn't baseball boring? Well, part of the reason that baseball isn't boring is because you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's the beauty of the game. And uh, the game has transcended all these years. And the popularity maybe has waned a little bit. But, you know, overall, baseball still pastime and people still look at it that way and uh, I have read some things and seen some things that kids are actually coming back to baseball and around here I live in Beaverton, Oregon <laughs> and on every any given night when my wife and I are out about and stuff like that um, you know what the, the baseball fields are still you know they got t-ball going, they got little league going, they got you know everything's you know they're still doing baseball that's not to take away that they're not doing other things like, you know, soccer and such, but uh, baseball is still very, in my humble opinion, is still a popular game. It's a great answer, and I think it's true, too. I think it's, we're seeing a lot of the bounce back, and, and you know, obviously they were worried about the demographic. I think they're grabbing some of the demographic. The fact that you see kids playing is a step forward, right? I mean, that's what we oh, want. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still see, you know, there's still, obviously, kids love soccer and stuff like that, and it's a, it's a good sport to play and everything like that. But the, the, the ability uh, it takes to play baseball, well, kids are still challenged by that, and they love it, and and they still, you know, they still go out there and they still like to play. I have a little boy that is, I'm looking out at his house right now, hmm. and his mom just put up a pitch back, <laughs> and he goes out there. He's a lefty. He has a he has a mound drawn on his driveway, and he goes out after he comes home from school. I mean, they're going to be out of school here in a couple of weeks, and he he stands there and he pitches to this pitch. Back. I think that's the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. You don't, you don't see that every day because you know kids aren't. You know, nowadays they don't play in the street anymore because you know just because the increase of traffic and everything. But to see a little boy doing that in his driveway, that's pretty cool. I'll be very honest with you. That tells you how baseball is still playing out there. I love it. I'm getting fired up. I love that. So, <laughs> so, so, so let's jump to the here and the now. And you know, this is a lot of reasons. People point to, sort. I don't want to say the renaissance of baseball, but baseball taking a positive step forward is some of the changes. You know, I'll just ask you out of the gate, you know, as someone who went through changes over the course of your career, but probably nothing as dramatic as what everybody's been thrown this last year. What's your perception on what's going on right now in baseball? Okay, the thing that, 
the thing that I really am excited about and I really enjoy is, I, and I've talked to a few, uh, few of the guys that are, that are working that still know my name, and the one thing that they are overjoyed about is the pitch clock. Mm. Now, I don't know how that plays uh, to my next door neighbor because we really don't talk about stuff like that, but... I know that when I talk to my brother and stuff back in Ohio, uh, his friends and my friends here uh, actually enjoy that part of how the games have have been speeded up. And I I, I really have trouble in my head finding an argument for that. I've read some things that there's some particular players out there saying that it's a safety issue. I don't get it. Mm. I really, because when I started, when I started in baseball in 1978, I know that's a hundred years ago, <laughs> you know what, games games were played at two hours and 15 minutes, and nobody complained at all. Mm. And when I got to the big leagues, the average time of a game, when I got to the big leagues in 1986 was my first uh, call up here, uh, games were being played between 2.15 and 2.45. If you went three hours, it was a long day. <laughs> you know what? And when, by the time in my, in my 20th year in the game of baseball, a three and a half hour game was normal. Hmm. And, and, and I and I, uh, I I don't know how we call that normal when we see what's happening now. Um, and, and you know what? If you can, if we can train pitchers to pitch the pitches that we are pitching right now under the premise of the sh- of the, uh, uh, the pitch clock, eventually. Your minor leaguers are going, to do, are going to be doing the same thing, and when they come to the major leagues, eventually, I, and I know this is a prediction that probably will never happen, but eventually you can get rid of the pitch clock mm. as long as you as long as you stay to the norm of you know of, of getting on the mound quicker and pitching and pitching quicker, keeping the batters in the box. You know that was all tried before when I was in the major leagues. We we actually had. Um, uh, recommendations from the league that we had to keep guys in the box. Right. Well, we did that for two weeks. <laughs> and, it all, and everybody loved it and everybody thought it was okay, but after two weeks, all of a sudden, it would, it would, you know, it would start to wane a little bit. And then eventually by the third or fourth week of the season, it was done. It was over. Uh, we had the same thing about uh, uh, pitchers pitching within uh, 20 seconds. We did that in spring training. As soon as the season started, the player remember this, yep. Rob. Yep. The players dictate what goes on. Yep. The players dictate it. If they they all agreed to this pitch clock, and now they're complaining about it, or some are. But the players are going to dictate how they want this game to be played. I don't see any drawback right now with the pitch clock. I'm excited about it. I think it's a good thing. Uh, I I can't see. I don't know how there's a complaint about it. Now I, I do know that I see some complaints from fans because of the ticket prices are so much, and they're only getting two and a half hours. Yeah. Of entertainment. yeah. So I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> well, let me ask you. So, from the umpire's perspective, as you're talking, I'm thinking through this. Number one, that maybe maybe this is pie in the sky stuff. But do you think that the quicker games will make for sharper umpiring, or is there will make it more challenging because there is so much going on? 
you're right in both regards. I think it's a great question also because I think you're right on both sides of it. I think it makes umpiring a little bit more challenging because you are engaged now so many different uh, avenues now. You have to make sure the batter's in the box at a certain uh, time when the clock rolls. You have to make sure the pitcher's on the mound facing the batter. Uh, there are just so many other variables that go on with that. But I also I also think that it makes the umpire be more engaged in the game and the flow is much better and there's not much standing around time anymore. Mm. Mm. I actually talked to uh, one of the guys uh, all about it was right after spring training and he had been talking about how he was looking forward to retirement and stuff like that (laughs) and he told me that with this pitch clock he might not retire oh really oh wow he said this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to baseball he says it's saving our bodies and saving our knees and it has to be doing the same thing with players it Mm. has to be Mm. yeah no it's and you know another part of it is and I'd be anxious to sort of get maybe the people that you talk to of the adjustment to it you had talked to and like i said you've gone through plenty of adjustments and and you have to adjust and some stick and some don't but and go watching this throughout spring training i watch the umpires and and they have to they're doing their best i mean they were doing the it was spring training for them too jim <laughs> it was it was, it was exactly, it, you're exactly right when something new happens you're exactly right that's a new uh, that's a new asset to the game and, and the umpires have to abide by it and we had many years like that when I was, you know, when I was working and I was a younger umpire. We had directors from the league on, on multiple things, from ball rules, um, you know, and, and new regulations on bats that were coming out that we had to pay attention to and everything like that. This is just, this is an evolution of the game, in my humble opinion. Mm. So, the, so the next, we have this level of change, and then we have what a lot of people perceive as the next level of change, which I imagine you and your friends are, are are heightened to which is the robot um thing um so yeah. what's your per- what what what's your perception of that it's not needed hmm. it's just it's i think it is more of a knee-jerk reaction uh on <laughs> and imagine me saying this trying to get the game to be perfect mm-hmm. um but you know I, I don't see a need for it Here, here's here's my problem with it my problem is, is that the average umpire only misses about four or five pitches per game. Now, it's not been, um, it has not been um, cited where these pitches are, are missed or whatever. Right. But if that is in fact true, and I know that when I was working, my last year was 2016, the average at that time was six. Mm-hmm. It's gone to four. I believe this year or last year. If you're only missing four pitches a game, then challenge the pitches. If, if, if make it part of strategy during the game. If if Terry Francona is sitting in the dugout in the sixth inning or the seventh inning with bases loaded on a three-two pitch, if Terry Francona thinks that he can get a either way, whether he wants a ball or a strike, whether he's on offense or defense, if he doesn't like the call, challenge it. They have technology right now, and I'm sure you've seen it. Mm. They don't even leave the field now. They just walk to like a. Uh, 
uh, a certain spot in the field, they turn on the microphone, they're in, they're in communication with yep. the replay center, and boom, it's done. Yep. yep. So it's not going to increase the time of a game if that happens. And I think that they use that as a strategy point during the game. Of the, I think the managers will, will like that, will enjoy it. And as far as the robo apartments, you know, I saw something the other day where a manager and a batter got ejected over the call that the robo apartment made. Wow. It made me, it made me laugh. <laughs> it's, it's actually not what side I was looking at. But the batter gets ejected, and then the manager gets ejected because the umpire was right, and he proved it to him. He says, they told me to call the strike, not... I didn't do it. I just do it. The robo umpire told me to do it. If you're going to have that, then there's no there's no place in the game for something like that. That's just that's just ludicrous to me. Well, first of all, I love that idea. I sincerely love that idea. And and second of all, I think that you're right about their knee jerk reaction because, and maybe you have a perspective of this, is that more so than ever before, certainly more so than 2016, these things are everyone's being put under the microscope because of Twitter because. I mean, the, you have you have a Twitter account, Umpire Scorecard, which which comes out every day, and yeah. and so you know everyone screams and yells about this and that, and and but that's the thing in, about I mean I, I would imagine that you see that 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 the 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 microscope that these guys are being put under for the little 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 things is much more right. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt it is. I mean, social media is, is it can be your friend, but it can be your worst enemy also. And um, I, I know what you're talking about. I have seen that. But here's the problem. I don't have a problem with people being a Monday morning quarterback. I, I really don't. As a matter of fact, that's part of the beauty of sports. But I do have a problem of putting something on the Internet and calling it gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that these sites that they're putting up that they're calling balls and strikes from their basement. Mm. It, it just amazes me because they never cite where those uh, where they're getting their information from. Whether it's just from the TV, uh, uh, K zones, or whatever. But I can tell you this, and this is I, I'm, I'm kind of letting something out of the bag. But I've been retired for six years now, so I, I can mm. I can kind of get away with this now. Mm-hmm. When I was in the replay center, we were we were delegated to the replay center three times a year. We would sit in Chelsea, which is not there anymore. It's, it's now uh, you know down by the office on Fifth Avenue or uh, whatever it is, Park Avenue. And we would sit there and now visualize sitting in a room. It's kind of darkened. And you have these monitors, these huge TVs, um, 65-inch TVs all the way around the room. And they were split screen with the home feed and the away feed. Mm-hmm. They put the K-Zone for each home and, K- and the K-Zone for the away team. Mm-hmm. A pitch would come in, and the, if, if the home team was at bat, and the umpire called it a strike, the ball might might register outside the strike zone. On the away feed, it was inside the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Very, very rarely did they match up unless the pitch was so errant. You know that it, 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 you know they both agreed on it. right, but it, there's still there's still a manipulation of that, and I don't like that. So if they're saying that this is gospel, 
I'm sorry. Uh, I'm letting the cat out of the bag a little bit, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I think it's close, but I don't think it, I think I, I don't think it's as close as it should be. And that's why I say the challenge system is probably the best way to go on this. Yeah, that's a great perspective, and 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 I again I come back to it. I love that challenge idea. But the, another another thing, obviously, this came before all these changes, which was the umpires having to uh, at one point when the first started give you know full body pat downs to guys and then it sort of became a glancing thing and now it's sort of somewhere in between uh checking for sicky stuff now when i think when i and i don't know about you jim but when i think about pitchers doing that sort of stuff i'm old school i think of joe joe necro you know flipping out the the file board out of his pocket or or something like that i just wanted to get your perspective of of is this is this something that is manageable i guess yes i agree i think i think that's also another great question about you know about about where we are in the game too you know the joe negro thing that was a totally different thing that was a manipulation of the baseball right and and i've i've actually had pitchers that manipulated baseballs by either scratching them cutting them or whatever. I actually, an old war story when I was in the minor leagues in AAA, a pitcher had filed one of the rivets on his glove to where he could cut the baseball, and it makes the baseball, it, it makes it move in, a, in an errant manner. Mm. And, but the funny thing about it is he went to cut the baseball and he cut his thumb. <laughs> and, and he bled, he bled all over his thumb. He was bleeding out the thumb. He had to call time and, and have the manager come on. I'd get out there and I said, what's the problem? He said, he cut his, he cut his thumb. I said, well, how do you cut his thumb. He goes, you know, the manufacturer made one of these rivets on his glove and they shook at him and I said, uh, I'm calling bull crap. And, you know, that's different than a pitcher using what is quoted in the rule book, a foreign substance right. to get a better grip on a baseball. Be shocked when I say this. I think a pitcher, they should. I think the, I think the players' association and Major League Baseball should sit down and, other than rosin, come up with a substance, whether it be a you know the byproduct of uh, of the tanning stuff and rosin together, yep. or whatever. I do believe that that's a safety issue. I really do, especially in the early months of, you know, March, April, May, you know, uh, doing like that. And that, I was a pitcher in college. Mm. And um, I will never say that I used it, but I did use it. Yeah. And um, I caught, I want, believe it or not, I've only been on the field a couple times where a player, a pitcher has used a foreign substance. Um, I caught, I caught, we caught Will Smith one night, but he didn't even disguise it. It was pine tar in his arm. Yeah. You know, but I get it. I really do get it. And what cracks me up is that when they catch somebody at it or they have uh, made them go wash their hands or whatever, the rotation on the spin of the baseball does does go lower. Mm. Um, I, I think they should have something. The batter's got pine tar, rosin, spray, sticky stuff. A batter tape, everything. They have the complete advantage 
on this one. Picture has nothing. Yeah. Other than sweat. Other than sweat. And uh, they made an exception. They can go to their mouth. They can go to their mouth now on the mound. As long as they wipe it off. So that's you know that was a couple years you know ten years ago. So I think they should be able. There should be something they all can agree on that. A pitcher can use hmm. now. Will it be? Will a pitcher take it farther? Of course. That's why you have umpires. Yeah. So. Yeah. How about how about from the umpires? You see these guys, and and you know we have the case of Scherzer a little while ago, and you know saying, oh, listen, this is ammonia in in, in pine tar. I'm sorry, in rosin. This is what they told us. Okay. I mean, for for an umpire, just it also it, it, it's a, there's some room for interpretation. I would imagine, considering you are allowed to have your hands a little sticky because of the rot. I mean, there's a little room for interpretation, right? I I couldn't agree with you more, but um, let's not insult our intelligence by sitting there and saying that when you can't even, you can't shake the ball off your hand because it's so sticky that it's just bullfrog and rosin. Hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, I know the difference. I knew the difference 100 years ago. And um, I know that that thing about Scherzer. Here's what cracks me up about that whole situation. Why didn't Scherzer fight it? Hmm. Yeah. Why, if he was so adamant that he did nothing wrong, why didn't he fight it? I would have. I would have. I would have been screaming about it. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but once again, I'm going to go back to. I think they should come to a happy agreement on letting the pitchers use something. I know they say that rosin. Rosin doesn't do it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. I like I said, I was a pitcher. I used rosin, and um, all it did was irritate my hands because I have such delicate hands, I guess. I'm not <laughs> no, sure. but you're not alone. You're not alone. I mean, I... I... You, know, you know what I mean? And, and, and you can't tell me in this day and age that we can't find something that is a happy medium between, and this is what cracks me up, it's a fight between the players here, and you got to defend the pitcher, but you got to defend the hitters, too. Hmm. And I don't, I don't know why that there's... We can't find something that a pitcher can use that's going to make both sides happy. Yeah, no, I've heard that, and I agree. But, you know, the last, last thing is, Jim, just about the state of umpiring. Um, you know, you had, there's been a lot of turnover in, in umpires in the last few years, right? I mean, and, 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 and I, I, the one thing that I think goes vastly underappreciated is how hard an, a major league umpire has to work to become a major league umpire. You did it. You know, there's plenty of other people, who, you know, now coming up. What is your view of the state of, of umpiring? Are, are you, are you, do you think it's better, worse, different, the same? How, how do you view it? I can, I can tell you that there's one thing that is certain, in my humble opinion, that the umpiring right now behind the plate has never, never been better. It is, it is, without a doubt, the most consistent plate work that the major leagues have ever seen. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive about the uh, robo-umpire. So, uh, overall, I think it's harder to umpire. I think the travel is worse. I think that um, it, it's much harder than when I started. And 
but the thing about it is it took me 12 years to get to the major leagues. It's being done a lot sooner. Now. Right, right. And I think the umpires, I think the umpires are more, uh, gosh, I'm really going to say this, they, they look better than when I first came up. And, and, and that's a big plus if you really think about it. Uh, you know, when your staff, Marty Springsteen was my supervisor, one of the greatest umpires that ever lived, and he always said, if I make the staff happy, a happy umpire is a great umpire. Mm. And that was Marty's philosophy. Marty was not real big on chastising guys or whatever. And I still think that that is a good adage to live by for the supervisors that are in the game now. And I think they do do that. But they do, umpires do talk about there are so much going on now that they have to relegate during the game and such. And this is put on, on them by the league. And they, they are dependent on, and, you know, enforcing the rules, but the rules are starting to pile up and pile up and pile up. When I first started, it was it was it was strike ball safe and out. Mm, yeah, and and and, 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 and you know, and, and a couple rules here and there. And uh, the game umpiring wise has changed a lot. And to a certain degree, a lot of it's good. And a lot of it is a wait-and-see kind of attitude. <laughs> With the understanding that there's a lot of great umpires and you have a lot of guys at the top of your list, I asked this about players. Like, give me your guy. Give me your guy you love watching. Is there a guy you love watching as an umpire? Well, when I worked, Ken Griffey Jr. was the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually enjoyed him on both sides of it, defense and offensive, uh, offensively. Um, and he always came to the plate with a big old smile on his face. And, <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm not going to say this because of what... Ken Griffey Jr. was my first ejection in the big leagues. Oh, wow. Wow. And everybody, that's exactly what everybody says. That's exactly what everybody says. And after that, Ken Griffey Jr. didn't get, get, didn't get ejected for another 12 years. Wow. And he was just a kid, and he said something off the cuff that was not allowed in, you know, in, in that day or this day. Yeah. And he got ejected. And But you know what? We developed a relationship after that, a very professional relationship. Of course, he, he said that I baited him, and I said, no, that's not what happened. And uh, But you know what? He was, in my humble opinion, the ultimate Major League Baseball player. Mm. I, I, I just I just loved watching him play. That's great. That, that That's a great story. It's unbelievable. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm honest, be honest with you right now. I'm having trouble... Um, I, I like Mike Trout. I, I watch. Uh, I watch him. But you know what? The names are starting to escape me because these guys are so young now. No. I, I've been gone for. I've been gone for six years. I don't know. I don't know three quarters of the umpires. I know, but you know what? Your perspective is is so so valued, Jim. And and once again, I really appreciate it. And, and I hope that you come on again because. This is a lot of fun for me. It really is. It's a lot of fun to talk about this stuff. So I, you ask, you ask, and I will, I will, I will guarantee you that I will grant that. <laughs> I, have, I love 
loved I love doing these things, and I'm wide open. You can ask me anything you want, and so you know maybe the next time if there's other things you want to get into, I'm all for it. Yeah, well, it's, it's I, it, I, I, I and I get it, Jim. Like about the Galarraga stuff, or even the 2013 sure. World Series. Like I, you're, you've been very open about, but I'm like interested about your perspective of, of what's going on, and and you 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 have a great one. So well, we'll talk. Thank we'll, you. I appreciate that. We'll, we'll talk more. So I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Rob.